Alberta school board trustee says God tells her to post. Acorn activist is victim of car accident caused by impaired driver. Man who worked with Sanjay Madden to defraud Ontario's government tens of millions of dollars was a police informant. Saskatchewan's government goes after First Nations man for telling his story to CBC and bombs dropped in Myanmar kill 28. Good morning. It's Thursday, October 19th. I'm Nora and here are your headlines. First, we start with Monique Lagrange, who has been hearing voices telling her to post homophobic and anti-Semitic content online. She's a Catholic school board trustee and lives in Red Deer, Alberta. She posted to Facebook back in August a meme, quote, that featured a picture of children waving Nazi flags above a picture of children waving pride flags, unquote. That's reported by Murnali Anchen with CBC. I couldn't describe it myself because it seems so weird. So thanks for that. <laughs> In documents released by the school board, it became public that Lagrange posted it because the Holy Spirit itself told her to, quote unquote, go for it and post the meme. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never heard that the Holy Spirit acts like a little devil or little angel sitting on your shoulder. That is not the Holy Spirit. Anyway, the board found that she violated both the trustee code of conduct and the Alberta Education Act, though has said she will not be removed. She's currently censured and can't participate in meetings and has lost other roles. She's also not allowed to, quote, make statements about the LGBTQ community and the Holocaust, unquote. No kidding. Anyways, that she's heard the voice of the Holy Spirit isn't a defense, and LaGrange probably needs a priest to tap her on the shoulder and let her know that if she's hearing voices, it isn't the voice of the Holy Spirit. She probably does need to get that checked out. Next, a tragic story about Jonathan Lopez and April Viernes, a newlywed couple who was just killed on the QEW Highway in Ontario by an impaired driver. The driver was 32-year-old Andy Persaud, and he escaped the inferno that his initial crash triggered. He was arrested. Now, I want to note these details specifically because John was also a member of ACORN, an anti-poverty group. Here is what ACORN Hamilton said about the news. Quote, We are devastated to share the news that ACORN member John Lopez and his wife were the couple that were tragically killed on Sunday in the QEW crash. He was an incredible member of the community. He will be deeply missed. Next to news from the Toronto Star's Robert Benzi. This story requires you to know a bit about Sanjay Madden. Back in spring of 2020, he was stealing money through his job as an Ontario bureaucrat. You might remember this story. Madden stole about $10.8 million in COVID relief funds, and he became national news because of that theft. Some used it as an example for why COVID relief funds should not be given out because some people would steal the money. Well, he pled guilty earlier this year to stealing not just that money, but a total of $47.4 million over many years. By the time the pandemic came around, Madden had been pretty good at stealing money from the government, and so it wasn't a big surprise that he dipped into a COVID relief fund. 
He worked as a Ministry of Education IT leader on a program called Support for Families. That program gave small sums of money to families to offset the cost of educational materials. He also created a fake company to get IT work from the Ontario government. He already oversaw hiring for ministry computer contracts, and he used what he knew to embezzle the money. Now, this is where yesterday's news comes in. Madden worked with Vidhan Singh. He would tell Singh what the maximum rate for a contract would be, and then Singh would find a consultant who would work for half the maximum rate. Madden would then ensure that the contractor was hired. Because subcontracting is normal, it passed under the radar. Now, Benzi is reporting that court documents reveal that Singh was a police informant. He was secretly recording conversations he had with Madden for police. Now, Singh is still on trial. He's on trial for money laundering, fraud, and possession of stolen property, charges that he denies. It's so interesting how these police informants are also so into illegal activity. I mean, maybe the whole system doesn't work. Anyway, Crown prosecutors in a separate civil case want the wiretaps between Singh and Madden sealed. Madden's lawyer said that they don't see any reason to seal the documents and that they should be made public. And so that's it. This information comes from this court proceeding of people trying to seal documents. That's all uh, we know so far. It's the kind of case that leaves me with a million questions that, I don't know, hopefully we'll get some answer on. Now over to news from Jorge Barrera at CBC and more not good news from Saskatchewan's Scott Moe government. They have asked a provincial court to punish Matthew Michelle for allegedly, quote, breaching court rules following the publication of information and video from inside a youth jail, showing staff immobilizing him with a full body restraint device while he wept, hyperventilated and asked for death, unquote. You might remember this story from the Daily News podcast. It's horrifying, and I won't go back into it other than to say that Michelle was held in a full body restraint for two hours when he was just 15. The restraint kept him at a 45 degree angle with his hands cuffed behind his back. CBC did an investigation into this, and that was where I got the story for the Daily News. And because of the CBC report, Moe's government is arguing that Michelle deserves a quote-unquote substantial penalty after that report was aired. They allege that Michelle gave CBC the images and videos from his civil case against the Saskatchewan government that formed the basis of that CBC investigation. Michelle is now 28. He's from Fishing Lake First Nation in Saskatchewan, and he says that being restrained has left him with lasting trauma. The Saskatchewan government argues that they were within their right to torture a teenager. The case against Michelle will be heard at the end of October. Barrera talks with John Hill, who's a retired lawyer who specializes in prison law, and Hill says that this seems like a basic intimidation tactic. Now, it isn't like there was a publication ban on the materials that Michelle broke by giving the materials to CBC, if he was indeed the one that did that. What the government is arguing is this. Documents disclosed in a civil court process, quote, should only be used for that litigation process, unquote. And by giving the materials to CBC, the government of Saskatchewan is arguing that he violated this rule, which is, come on, such a weak argument. 
The government has also tried to go after CBC to find out how it got other materials used in that report. Barrera talked to Gabor Maté and showed him the materials. When he saw them, he said that he thought the images looked like Iraq's Abu Ghraib prison. Except, he said, quote, these are kids, traumatized kids, unquote. And finally, to Myanmar, a massive explosion tore through Mung Lai Hikiet, an internally displaced people's camp in northern Myanmar. They have been displaced by war since 2011. The mortars killed 28 people, including 12 children. A kindergarten and a church were destroyed. Rights groups pin the blame on the military junta, which has been operating as the government since February 2021, but they have denied responsibility for the attack. The UN's Human Rights Office has found that the military has killed at least 3,800 civilians, destroyed 75,000 civilian properties, and conducted nearly 1,000 airstrikes in the more than two and a half years that it has taken power. Their violence has been increasing and been more brazen, said UN officials. The report says, quote, a seemingly endless spiral of military violence has engulfed all aspects of life in Myanmar, unquote. This attack happened in Kachin state. The Kachin ethnic minority have long been targets of violence well before the coup. The Kachin Independence Organization has been fighting for autonomy since 1961. The military has tried to stop its access to food, money, intelligence, and recruits. In 2011, a 17-year ceasefire collapsed and fighting resumed between the Kachin Independence Organization and the Myanmar military. Fighting has displaced about 100,000 people, and support for the Kachin Independence Organization has been criminalized. More than a third of Kachin people have fled to territory that the Kachin Independence Organization controls, along the border of Myanmar with China. Those are your headlines for Thursday, October 19th. Now, folks, if you are in Winnipeg, Tickets are on sale now for our Winnipeg show. It will be Friday, November 24th. It's at the West End Cultural Center, and we are bringing in John Camille Farah, Palestinian-Canadian musician who is the music that we have used for Sandy and Nora. You are not going to want to miss this night. We just did it in Toronto, and it was such a special evening. So get your tickets. You can find them at thepointofsale.com. Just search Sandy and Nora, The Point of Sale. Older shows might show up, so make sure you're looking at Winnipeg if you can't buy a ticket, because you can't buy a ticket for the older shows, but they do still come up. You are listening to this podcast at sandyandnora.com on the Real News Network podcast feed and anywhere you get your podcasts. I'm Nora. I hope you have a wonderful Thursday. The weekend's right around the corner. My God. And, uh, and stay good.